Get up straight, boy. Attention. Name and number. 4737 Carlin, sir. And this is the daddy. The hard case. Carlin, is it? Is it? Yes, sir. Don't look much to me, Carlin. You're the little tow rag of the officer at Rowley. Fancy yourself, dear Carlin. Stumping officers, eh? Oh, tell it. Speak when I tell you that. Oh, they sent you down here to be sorted out. You have heard of us, Carlin, eh? Heard of us, have you? Yes, sir. And what did you hear? Nothing, sir. Well, I'll tell you here now, lad, that nothing was not the correct information. Because we're having your stinking hooligan guts for garters. Right? Yes, sir. I've had my fair share of energy drinks uh, recently on the last few episodes, but it seemed quite appropriate today to knock back a few cans of easily my favourite energy drink, Monster. Uh, I've had low carbs, I've had Rippers, I've had Chaoses, but Rippers my favourite though. 50% juice, uh, 100% Monster, which is what it says in the can there. Uh, this is like my uh, sixth or, no, it could be seventh can in the last, um, well, two days actually, because... I'm going to do not one film today, not two, not three, but I'm going to give you four films today that I'm going to cover. Uh, thanks for tuning in to another mug of movie goodness or movie badness, or it could just be plain old regular common or garden black or white indifference. I'm going to take a battered old VHS tape from my uh, loft where I consigned them to over five years ago to rot in... Uh, magnetic purgatory kind of thing um, and I've kind of gotten them out, dusted them off taken away all the dead flies and arachnid corpses and stuff and uh, hey, I found uh, some films that I'd just plain forgotten about so um, you know, giving them a rewatch and uh, and a re- recap as such now I'm actually going to be bending the rules a little today as well, not only am I going to be covering four films instead of one, I'm going to bend the rules slightly because usually I just focus on one film from one of my old tapes but well, these are my rules, so fuck it and do what I want. But two of the films are still on VHS tape. One I didn't have at all, actually, uh, to watch, so I found it on YouTube, kind of watched it in that kind of part one, part two kind of thing. Uh, and the other's on DVD, but they're all linked, and all, there's a reason why I'm doing all four today, so you will see. But well, let's start with the main attraction as such. Now, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, FYI, there's going to be a few spoilers in this, so... Eh. I kind of thought about this, but it's difficult not to talk about some of the spoilers and some of the scenes. So, you know, I apologise if you've not seen these films and uh, and I spoil some things, bits and pieces, but I think it's quite key. So, um, anyway, start off, uh, film number one. I've got a very, very, very vivid memory in the back of my head of uh, flicking channels on TV. One day, yeah, during the 80s, probably between the sort of 83, 84, 85, something like that, uh, I'd have been about 12, 13-ish kind of thing. I'm not entirely sure when, but I saw I saw a scene of something. I don't know if it was a film or a TV program. I'd, I had no real recollection of why I saw what I saw and when I saw it, but I do remember seeing this scene. It was uh, it was a couple of kids, and they were in a, a greenhouse. 
or a potting shed or an outhouse, the way they were. And, um, and they barged in and they started beating up on another younger kid, smaller boy, um, and then proceeded to rape him. Now, I didn't really know what I was seeing, to be fair. You know, I was a bit too young. Um, a guy then shows up, um, uh, an adult shows up, looks through the windows of the greenhouse and just simply watches. Now, as I said, I didn't really know what I was watching. It was on late... I think I probably just watched that bit, maybe a little bit more, and then just turned it off. I mean, you know, it's probably a school night, for all I know. But I just, I just kind of dismissed it, as in, you know, I just saw what I saw, and that was it. I didn't watch the rest of it, I said. And it wasn't until a few years later, probably literally four or five years later, that uh, when, I, when I saw this film on, on video, it was called Scum, that I realised I had actually seen, it's probably one of its most notorious scenes, kind of like sort of five or six years ago, by accident, pure accident. Um, so Scum, made in 1979 film starts with introduction of three new inmates that's what the film's uh, critically about uh, it's about a British borstal and these three guys turn up driven to the, to the place in a van uh, Davis, uh, Angel and the chief protagonist of the film Carlin who's played by Ray Winstone Winstone? Winston? Winston? Winston, Winston, who cares, uh, who was only 22 at the time, so this was one of his first screen credits and certainly his first starring role. Now, Carlin, Winston, Winston, brings with him a kind of a reputation. He's the hard nut. I mean, you caught it at the beginning. That was that was Carlin uh, and one of the uh, screws at the beginning of the, of the episode. He's the hard nut. He's the hard case. He's been transferred from another borstal for assaulting one of the officers, wardens, screws. He, uh, he beat them up. He claims it was self-defence, whatever. But you don't actually, you don't see any of that. That's all off camera. That's all before. It doesn't start with that. That's been in, in, in the past. Uh, and to be fair, based on the actions of the screws, the wardens throughout most of this film, he was probably right to uh, to uh, to beat him up. To, but um, but you, know, you just don't know. Because, um, of course, this is 70s Britain, 1979. This is 70s Britain, Thatcher Britain. And the wardens, they, they pull no punches. They, they want to put Carlin in his place. They won't tolerate his behaviour or his lip. They've got a certain way of doing things in this particular institution. And they've got certain people that they want to protect and make sure that things continue the way they do. Because each of the wings in these borstals have a daddy a kind of head bully or, you know, uh, the top dog uh, of like, a, of a, I guess, an internal mob structure is what they've got it, you know, and they keep things ticking along and people in line. And of course, like any, like, like the mob, they demand payment for, for it, you know, and that comes from the form of uh, their rations or the stuff they get sent in or what they earn from working there, um, you know, sort of uh, you know, making clothes or, or digging ditches and stuff like that, you know, the, the way it works. So, um, so Banks is the, is the daddy of the wing that Carlin and Davis and Angel get sent to. Uh, Banks is played by a guy called John Blundell, who's a bit of a character actor for British TV, um, certainly through the 80s. hasn't really done a lot since, but he was, he was quite... Most of the people in these films have been in a lot of things um, that certainly uh, my British listeners, or, or one of you, <laughs> will, will uh, recognise, and my American listeners, or two of you, will, uh, will probably not know most of these people are most of these TV shows, but the most of them appeared in things like Casualty and The Bill and... And uh, stuff like that, you know. Um, I'm trying to think, yeah, Brookside, but the, these sort of programs, you know, um, that are that are on um, serially that have been on for years and years and years. They've all popped up in that at some point. Anyway, um, so where was I? Yeah, Banks, Banks. So Banks knows Carlin's reputation anyway, and he knows that he's coming into uh, this institution. You know, we were kind of uh, with a with a with a, with a past and wants to put him in his place. 
And that there's an early confrontation between the two where Carlin gets the crap beaten out of him by Banks and uh, and his mates and his and his, his lackeys as such to try and keep Carlin in place. One of his uh, one of his friends, one of his close. Uh, uh, bodies is a guy called Richards who's played by Phil Daniels Phil Daniels is another one of those great British actors who uh, who crops up a lot of things but particularly play, it was, he played Jimmy Jimmy I want to say Cooper could be right but Jimmy Cooper in he was the lead role in Quadrophenia which was out the same year so it's quite interesting in that he had a kind of a bit part in this one but that he was the star of Quadrophenia which out of the two is probably more well known to be fair um, but he's a really good actor, and he, you know he, he's in this as one of his uh, one of his uh, best buddies. But um, Carlin, uh, obviously not about to let it lie, kind of lies to the screw, says that he's fallen over, he's been you know he fell over, and uh, you know doesn't want anybody to get uh, led on, doesn't want doesn't want the screws giving him a reason to do what he's about to do, which is obviously to choose his moment and take over the place. He wants to become the daddy, which he does, and um, he, he does it by first. A frankly, quite utterly brutal beating of, of Richards, Phil Daniels' character, by placing two snooker balls um, uh, into a sock and then going up to him when he's uh, more or less on his own, uh, Richards that is, and clobbering him over the head. And it's it's one of those um, it's one of those moments whereby you know you kind of if somebody gets kicked in the balls when on TV. You kind of uh, you go oh kind of thing you know you kind of screw up a little bit when somebody gets kicked in the certainly a bloke anyway he gets kicked in the nuts. Um, this is the same when he actually gets hit it gets you know it, it makes my temples kind of throb a little bit because he, he hits it with such force. Um, so he he knocks seven shades of shit out of Richards and then uh, goes looking for Banks and Banks is himself uh, alone in one of the bathrooms upstairs washing his face whatever and uh, and Carlin runs in forces his head underwater and and just literally just kicks the living shit out of him um, and of course the wardens and the, the wardens are all pissed off at Banks for letting Carlin do this to him but Banks won't name Carlin as the person who did it so that kind of protects what's going on as such and the, the, that's kind of like the them and us kind of mentality that. Uh, that weaves throughout the entire film. So, um, so Carlin's now the daddy, and uh, and and as such, starts to enforce his own um, doctrine over the over the place as such, and over the people. Then there's a couple of parallel stories to it as well. There's the not only have you got Carlin's rise to to power as such. There's a couple of sub threads throughout the film, uh, and one of them is a guy called Archie, who's played by Mick Ford, who's again one of these TV act, bit actors that have been all over the place. And he's he's not your typical um, he's not your typical scum as such, you know, as, as the title suggests. He's a bit more red. He's playing the system. You know, he says in one line in the film that he's out to cause as many problems for the screws as he can. But not violently, you know. He, he does it in a different way. He claims to be claims to be vegetarian, so he won't eat meat, which means they've got to change their diet to suit him. Uh, he won't wear the sh- he won't wear the shoes he's given because they're made out of leather. Hence the the animal connection. So um, he also he's also the. He's also the kind of social commentary. He's, he's, he's the writer trying to get through to the to the audience as such. And he's got this monologue about halfway through the film. He's sitting down with one of the screws. Um, and he talks about how the fact that the prison system they've got basically just doesn't work, which is obviously the writer trying to say something about, you know, um, what, what it is. It, it doesn't work. And uh, the screws' own acts of brutality against um, against the inmates as a form of discipline or correction is probably, it's as much a part of the problem because it's, 
it's not correcting anything, it's perpetuating it. There's more crimes committed against the inmates on the inside than they ever did on the outside, is what he's basically trying to say. Um, and like I said, it's, it's the kind of social commentary throughout the film that he, he brings to it. The other main um, story uh, running through the, through the film is a guy called Davis, one of the three inmates at the beginning of the film. He's a very, very weak, timid... Uh, lad, you know, you can yeah, you can blow him over by just sort of you know just blowing off and he'll, he'll fall over kind of thing. He's um, he's sent there because he tried to escape from another facility, a lower um, a lower uh, security facility, more like a kind of like a school kind of thing. Um, but he's clearly he's not made of the stuff the others are from. Not made of the stuff the others are made out of. Very very weak, very very meek. But he's got Carlin on his side to some degree, but. He's the one who's later gang raped in that scene that I saw earlier, um, and a bit of a spoiler. He he later commits suicide because of that act um, by slitting his wrist with a razor blade in a very very nice sequence. Um, really really well filmed. Now, like I said, there's a lot of British TV faces in there, both in the inmates and the wardens. Most of the kind of people that a lot of people will recognise, but not only not only not bleh, not know who they are. Just can't get it out. I've had too many too many cans of bloody monster today. I tell you, mm. I'll be on the fucking ceiling soon. They they you won't know who they are. You won't know who, their names, but. They've all turned up in shows like, you know, The Bill, Doctor Who, Casualty, stuff like that. There's a few key ones. A character called Betts, he, he gets special leave to get married at some point in the film. Uh, and he's played by uh, a very young Andrew Paul, who went on to actually be in The Bill for a long, long time. PC Dave Quinnan. He was one of the key characters. Um, one of the background extras at one point is Danny John Jules, better known as the cat from Red Dwarf. Uh, and Assad, he played Assad in Blade 2. You've got Sean Chapman in there, who plays inmate James. He was only 17 at the time, uh, and of course he went on to be immortalised as Uncle Frank in Hellraiser. Uh, what else have you got? You've got Patrick Murray, uh, also known as Mickey Pierce from the Only Falls and Horses series. And you've got the rather wonderful P.H. Moriarty. Now, he's, uh, P.H. Moriarty was um, Hatchet Harry in Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, and he was, um, he was in Jaws, Jaws 3D as well. He was... Um, was he a cameraman or something like that? He certainly was one of the one of the guys brought in to uh, capture the shark. But he he's in it, but it's a really really tiny role, and frankly, not given anywhere near enough to do. You've got all these screws, all these wardens that are supposed to be real hard nuts, and some of them are quite quite nasty, you know. But they um, they don't really. Some of them aren't as menacing as the others. And PH Moriarty, you know, if you look at this Hatchet Harry character, Hatchet Harry character, you know, he, he could play a real nasty piece of work. Um, and he's not really given anything to do in this film other than a few lines. So a bit of a shame. A bit of a missed opportunity, but there you go. Uh, written by Roy Minton, TV playwright. He only wrote one more script after this, which is one of the other films I'm going to do today. And I'm kind of unaware of any of his previous work, to be fair. I've not seen them. Not even really heard of them, to be fair. But mostly TV stuff. Uh, directed by Alan Clark. Again, mostly TV stuff he did before. This was his first made-for-cinema release. Um, he only actually did two other cinema films after this. He did uh, Billy the Kid and the Green Bay Vampire, which is a, a really crazy rock-and-roll snooker movie, and it starred Phil Daniels again a couple of years later, and Bruce Payne from Passenger 57. It's a strange film. I've not seen it in a long, 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 long time, but I do remember it being a kind of off-the-wall snooker musical. Um, I think it was a stage 
production at some point, and it kind of comes across that way. But very, really, really crazy film. His other is a is the rather classic Rita Sue and Bob Two. That I won't go into details here because I might just do that in a future episode because I've got that on video as well. Uh, he also made a couple of TV movies afterwards, which were quite famous. He made Made in Made 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 in Britain, which was the debut of Tim Roth. Uh, on TV, um, that's a really really good TV. That's, that's quite a hard hard hitting kind of um, uh, program as well. A bit like a bit like Scum, but not quite as bad. And he also did The Firm, which again is based around that kind of hard nosed kind of aspect of things, um, starring Gary Oldman. So quite a uh, um, quite a temperamental director, I believe. You know, responsible for quite a few careers. Of course, you know Ray Winston and uh, a few others, well Tim Roth. But he, uh, he unfortunately died in nineteen ninety, aged just fifty four. So you know, just when he was starting to Get into the get into the swing of things. He was taken from us, but uh, there you go. But I guess the biggest question here is: Is it any good? You've heard about the film, but well, I don't think it's an enjoyable movie. But it's not meant to be an enjoyable movie. It's not. It's not a you know rousing, raucous. You know, it's not a pop. It's not popcorn flick. This. You know, it is. It's it's supposed to be. It's, it's supposed to make you think. It's supposed to make you think. It's supposed to make you try and understand what the characters are going through you know it's nothing on screen seems stylized or over the top you know it's not directed with any flourishes it's very very tv style single camera setups very, very slow moving cameras for most of it you know um there's no music there's not a stitch of music in it no score whatsoever so it's got that documentary kind of feel to it on purpose you know it's supposed to be like that the acting is is very grounded there's nobody really chewing any scenery you know ray winston has his uh, has his moments but they are few and far between um there's just an awful lot of um swearing racial abuse uh you know and anger you know it's i say it's not popcorn fodder but it's it's compelling you really can't take your eyes off the screen when you watch this you have to. It's, a, it's a film that demands to be seen it caused a, an absolute stink when it came out it was caught up in the whole video nasties acts of the of the early 80s when it came out on video and uh, you know for for the wrong reasons you know you put it up against like the chainsaw massacre and it's it's, it's not it's not designed in that same kind of way this is uh this this is a this is what it was well, I'm assuming what it was, what it was actually like, and what was going on behind bars. Um, so it's uh, it's a it's a kind of a difficult movie to watch and enjoy. Don't get me wrong, though it's it's a, it's a great film. I love it. I really really love this film, but I wouldn't class it as one of my favourites. It's something that doesn't get watched very often. This is not a film that I've kind of really forgotten about. I just haven't watched it in probably it's probably been about five or six years since I have watched it last. Um, and it still leaves a kind of lump in my throat, as in, you know, so, oh, God, there's some real nasty going on in it. But it's uh, but it's still movie goodness. It's still a movie that actually absolutely demands to be watched, and I highly, highly recommend it if, you, uh, if you've got the stomach for some of the scenes. So what's the second film? Well, after having seen Scum a few times during the 90s, I discovered that it's actually a remake. <laughs> it's not an ori- well, it's not an original film, but it is. But it's a remake of a 1977 BBC TV play. The BBC um, yeah, commissioned the, um, the the writer Roy Minton to uh, to do this for TV, and they filmed it. But they banned it before they showed it because of pretty much everything I've said already. You know, the the rape and the suicide and the the violence. Um, they didn't want to show it on TV, so it got banned. Um, but then that's how the writer and director went and got the fun- the funding and made a cinema version of it for two years after that. It wasn't actually shown on TV until the uh, after the director died in the nineties, um, and it's now available. Uh, well, certainly on YouTube, which is where I saw it. 
Now, same writer, uh, same director, mostly the same cast, um, and the story is as near as damn it. There's a, there's a couple of little bits and pieces that are different, but they pretty much filmed it verbatim. They just it was uh, as, a, as a cinema version, it was much much bigger and much more elaborate in terms of sets and lighting and, and staging and stuff like that. But the the central premise is exactly the same. The only major difference in the TV version is that Carlin has a um, well, it's a kind of a homosexual kind of. Um, a relationship as such, to, to some degree, it's, it's mostly suggested stuff, and it was mentioned at one point, but it's mostly suggestive. He takes what's known as a missus. Um, it's a kind of a nod to the sort of fag mentality of old English boarding schools, I guess, to some degree, you know, because you can't really get it elsewhere, so you take from within. Um, but uh, that's the only real major difference. You, you never see anything going on. It's just that he's with somebody, so there's always somebody there, and certainly when he gets his own cell, this other guy moves in and such. But it's it's only a smaller side. The rest of it's pretty much the same. The um, It's filmed in very much the same style, like I said, but obviously with more money to throw at it. It's a little bit more polished. The biggest bigger settings, the gang rape is longer um, and a bit more brutal. The suicide sequence, though, is far more graphic. In the TV version, he's the, the, the guy Davis is merely sitting on the bed. He cuts his wrists, or, you know, that kind of acting cuts his wrist. You see him with a, a razor blade. And then you pretty much just see him dead the next morning. You don't really see what happens. In the movie version, it goes into much more depth. He's, he's actually underneath the blankets in his bed in his, in his, uh, in his room. On his own, um, you see him take the razor blade. You hear you sort of well, you don't, you hear the wrist being sliced underneath, but you don't see the flesh being cut. And then, like a beat, second you know heartbeat later, the 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 blankets start to um, you know change colour as the blood starts to soak into the blankets. And then he gets up and realizes he's kind of made a mistake and tries to alert the warden who earlier told him just to go to bed and shut up and stop whining like a little pussy um which is kind of the whole reason why he does it because of he firstly he gets raped and then he wants to try and speak to his mom and then he wants to go home because he's really really upset and you know everybody picks on him kind of thing so it kind of all knits together and that's the reason why he he kills himself and then the next morning that same uh that same warden finds him in his cell you know but he, there's blood everywhere you know it's, it's a really really well filmed um scene and it's a really poignant moment in the whole film and it's it actually sets up the ending as well as the whole point of the ending of the film is pretty much the reason for for for, for what happens there it's um it, again it's, it's not one of those moments whereby you you know when somebody gets hit in the balls on screen like i said earlier it's you, you know when that when i see this i kind of i grab my wrists and kind of just rub them a little bit you know when you see it going on it's like Ooh, gee, that kind of aspect of it, you know, really, really well filmed. Um, like I said, most of the cast returned. Winston was Winston, Winston or Winstone? I've got to find that out. Winston was there, um, but obviously two years younger, so he was twenty when he filmed the TV show, but he was twenty-two when he filmed the film. Um, the only major difference in it, there's a few of the screws are different, but you don't really notice those too much. The other major difference is the Archer character, the social commentary character, in the TV version, he was played by David Frelville. Frelfall, Frelfall. I've got to start getting better at surnames. David Frelfall, who would be better known to UK audiences now as Frank Gallagher from Shameless. Um, in uh, he didn't want, he obviously didn't want to come back for the movie version. So 
Now, a lot of people do actually seem to prefer the TV version. I, I don't. I, I actually prefer the, film, the, the movie version. I saw that one first, so maybe I'm um, kind of a little bit biased there. But there's nothing wrong with the TV version. Perfectly serviceable. Um, but if I'm going to watch one of them, I'll just watch the movie version instead. I think the acting is slightly better. Winston, um, obviously starting to build his craft a little bit. He'd done, a, done at least a, a two or three things uh, before before this one came along, so you know, it was a little bit. I think it's a little bit better and a little bit more hard-edged. Um, and frankly, you know, I just like a little bit of a little bit more polish with my homemade kosher such. So uh, there you go. So film two is pretty much the same as film one. So that's why I'm not going to into major details. But the 1977 uh, original of Scum um, is film two. So what's next? Can't you hear? I'm busy. I'm one of your new inmates, mate. I'm not one of the screws. Listen, do you know where all the others are? Working their asses off in the factory, I suppose. Why are you banged up for them? Talking filthy. If you ask me, I'm really suffering from jail rot. Do you want a bag? Yeah, do I. I'll put it under the door, right? film I'm going to talk about today, probably in the early 90s I reckon uh, before today I've only seen it actually once this is only the second time I've ever seen this film but a couple of years after Roy Minton wrote Scum, I guess he well I guess he tried it again as such but this time with a Borstal for Girls in 1983 Scrubbers uh, now this one concerns Carol who escapes a minimum security Borstal, a bit like a boarding school really um, probably maybe the same one that Davis was at in the in the original film, but you know, they're not linked. They're not they're not linked in any way. It's just the fact that they're they're, they're both Borstals. Um, now she escapes with a plan to be recaptured. She wants to be sent to a maximum security Borstal because that's where her girlfriend is. When she actually gets there, though, her girlfriend has a new missus as such, you know, a new girlfriend. Uh, and to top it all off, the person that she escapes with, the minimum one, minimum Borstal, uh, Anita, she wants to get out because she's desperate to see her baby daughter who's being brought up in a covent while she serves her time. And she's also rearrested uh, at a different point, a, diff- a different time away from uh, Carol, but he's sent to the same Borstal. Now, now when Anita gets to that Borstal and sees Carol there, she thinks that Carol grasped her up and wants her revenge as such. And that's kind of the, the thread of the story is that Anita for initially is uh, is put in solitary confinement. She's drugged to the eyeballs um, because she's seen as a danger, not just to herself, but others um, around her, the way she acts. Now, Carol, um, Carol's obviously lost her girlfriend, but befriends uh, another girl who professes her love for her called Eddie, but Eddie is slightly older and she's due to be released soon, inmate. Um, but she obviously a lot of the inmates fear her. She's got a bit of bit of a swagger. There's no there's no daddy or mummy equivalent in this film that you can see. There's just little cliques of girls 
Um, but she's uh, she's due to be released soon. But until that point, at least Carol has some protection. Um, but it's when she does get released that things take a turn for the worst. Now, like I said, it's it's not a sequel as such. It's more the other side of the coin. You know, um, there's quite a lot of similarities between the two films. There are a couple of fights. But nothing really, the brutality and scum, it's more kind of pulling hair and, uh, you know, sort of biting and, and, and that kind of stuff, you know, girly sort of fighting. Um, but there is one there is one fight at the end um, which uses uh, uses tools, you know, the, the rolling pin, I think it is, for rolling that pastry. But um, for some unfathomable reason, it's shot in slow-mo, but it... it it doesn't make any sense. A, it doesn't make any sense that it's shot in slow-mo. And secondly, it doesn't look like it's actually shot in slow-mo. It doesn't look like they could afford a slow-mo camera rig or such. So what they said was like, the director, for whatever reason, said, oh, I want it in slow motion, but could you act slow motion? Because it's got that kind of over-exaggerated, you know, kind of, you know, <laughs> opening the mouths wide. Kind of, it looks like they're they're purposely slowing down as opposed to actually just doing it normal and the camera slowing it down. And it, it's it's just a bit naff, really. It it just it tops off what is quite a poor film. Um, like I said, there are some similarities uh, because the same writer. There's a suicide scene, very very similar to Scum. Um, for whatever reason, it's dismissed just as quickly as it as it's done. It's more like um, it's a bit of a mixture between the two. Um, of the TV version and the film version of Scum in that it's a bit more bloody but it's over quite quickly and, and it's kind of for some reason dismissed quite quickly as well there's no conclusion to it um, but there's plenty of shit flinging and I do mean literally shit flinging in this film it's got it's, it's much more scatological than Scum um, but other than that there's very little that's actually memorable in this film you know uh, and that might have been the fact that I've come off watching Scum <laughs> well, effectively twice, to be fair, um, that that one is resonating more. But it's it, it, nothing really stands out in this film, and it's just it just seems to be an awful lot of uh, uh, cackling and uh, you know and 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 shrieking more than anything else. Uh, the acting is is all round. It's it's really bad. You know, there's there's nobody in this that really stands out at all. Scum kind of went for the jugular, you know, uh, as such with with its acting and its and its story and its brutality. Scrubbers just seems to want to pull your peck a little bit and, you know, and, and, and go, ha, 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 kind of thing. And it, it's, maybe that's the difference between the female, male and female ball stalls, um, you know, but the, the female wardens in this film, they're nowhere near as bad as the, as the, as the, as the ones in, the, in, in Scum. But, you know, at one point, they're even seen dancing with the girls during an association session. The girls are allowed music um, and they're dancing around uh, and the, the, the wardens join in doesn't seem to make any sense to me. The girls were allowed posters on the walls. Um, at night, they were allowed to open their windows up and shout and scream and laugh at each other and, you know, and cackle and, and go on and on. They're passing cigarettes to one another on these little swing ropes and telling the others, you know, having a laugh and a joke. And it just it just seems, a, it just doesn't quite fit. It doesn't work for me. The um, the cast, the cast is, is pretty much similar to the scum cast. It's pretty much loads of people that you recognise, but you don't know who the hell they are. There are a couple of noticeables, though. I mean, in the leads, uh, the Carol and Anita people, you've no, no idea who they are. They, they, again, but they've appeared in things like The Bill and Casualty and Doctor at some point. Um, but there are a couple of noticeables. Kathy Burke, 
is one of the inmates. Um, now, she's kind of part of comedy royalty in Britain a little bit. You know, she played Wayne Etta Slob in uh, uh, Harry Enfield's TV program and then Perry in the big screen, Kevin and Perry Go Large. But she's also done some serious stuff. She was in Neil by Mouth, which she won a BAFTA for. can't remember the character's name, but, you know, she can do, she can act. But she, um, in this, she's kind of, just kind of like a, a, a an awkward character who just cracks jokes and smokes fags and at one point is seen sniffing glue. There you go. Um, Miriam Margulies is in it. She's one of the wardens. Um, she's kind of better known for being in Harry Potter, uh, but she's cropped up in other stuff, mostly little little bit roles in things like Little Shop of Horrors, and she was in um, uh, End of Days. She was in Pacific Heights, stuff like this, you know. But she's also again been on TV, Blackout, and whatever. Pamson Clements for the UK people will know her as Bat- Pat Butcher in EastEnders. She's one of the wardens as well. Um, and Robbie Coltrane is in a, is a little tiny little role. For some reason, his character is called Puff Guts. I've no idea why. Doesn't never explained. Uh, but he doesn't do anything or really say much anyway. He's just there in, in the background kind of thing. But you know, one of his early roles, I guess. Directed by and she, well, she also had she had a hand in the script as well. It wasn't totally written by Roy Minton. Um, May Zetterling. Now. I'm not going to lie to you, I've never heard of her. Uh, she's a Swedish actress, apparently, through the 40s, 50s, 60s and 70s, and then she turned to directing in the in the 80s, but she also passed away in 1994, age 68. So I, I don't know of anything else she's done that doesn't make any... You know, I've looked for IMDb page, and uh, I have no idea. I can't really recommend Scrubbers. I really can't. It's noisy, and not in a good way. It's badly acted. It's pretty poorly directed. It... You know, it was probably going for the same idealist scum, you know, the kind of gritty drama, but it, it just comes off all wrong. And uh, you know, like I say, I've watched it. I've watched it once. Uh, I'm sorry, I've watched it twice now. I doubt if I'll ever watch it again. Um, watch it once as a curiosity, if you must. Um, but, you know, it's um, it, don't expect much, really. Don't expect much at all. That looks kind of painful. Want to tell me what happened? I slipped and fell. Do I look like an asshole to you? Well, fortunately for us, we have some procedures in place. You and I are going to issue a report. And what good would that be? I just told you I slipped and fell. In the dark. In the dark? Yeah. Well, maybe a few days in solitary. You'll come up with a few more details. Maybe. Can I go? Yeah, you can go. So the fourth film, well, Scum itself um, was a remake of the TV play, as I said. The fourth film today is actually the remake of the remake. So this is Scum 2010, also known as Dog Pound, which is what the, I guess it's a French-Canadian production uh, uh, brought up to date um, last year. They've bought... They brought the story to America. Um, they've updated um, some elements of it. You know, there's nobody in it that I've ever heard of in terms of acting, the writer, you know, all the directing, direction roles. It's a French director. I don't know any of them at all. But they've kind of brought it up to date a little bit. Now, some of the characters um, have been changed. Some of the storylines have been changed. But it's essentially the same film. There's still Angel and Davis. Um, but this time, Carlin has been replaced by a guy called Butch. Now, you know, you may have just sniggered, because I did when I first heard it. I was just like, you know, Angel, okay, Davis, yeah. Butch. Um, 
in the original film, they uh, they started off by just turning up to the Borstal, you know, I mean, you know, w- with the baggage um, from where the reasons why they got there. This film, they actually show the reason why they go to Borstal in the first place. Angel, um, Grand Theft Auto, if you actually see him um, with with the with Steve in the car. Davis is a kind of a drug peddler sort of kind of thing, and he starts off by um, uh, you see him why he goes to Borstal. The Butch character, Carlin, whatever, you know, Butch character, in the original film, Carlin was sent to this other institution for beating the crap out of an officer. You actually see that in this film. That's how it starts off, by him assaulting a warden and being transferred. The film then kind of plays out pretty much the same, obviously updating, you know, some of the sort of language and motifs and making it more Americanized. Um, the the daddy motif of the film um, is kind of gone, you know, and that's probably with the times, to be fair, you know, that, that doesn't really exist anymore because I doubt it even exists in, in the UK penal system, but the, um, the daddy system's gone, but they've got trustees now, so you've got inmates and you've got what they call level two people, which are trustees, people that have... Well, excuse me, people that have admitted they've done wrong. Um, now, Banks, because that character's still the same as what it was in the UK version, is a trustee. He has his lackeys, he's got his, uh, his sidekicks, the same as he did in the original film. And much like they did in the original film, they pick on Davis, the, uh, um, one of, the, one of the, the character who, at the end, um, commits suicide. They pick on Davis, and it goes down that same line. You know, they steal his boots, they make his life a misery, um, they, uh, they draw on his face, they give him drugs, they draw on his face um, at some point. But the Davis character... Now, I think this is where the writer has kind of missed the point a little bit because the Davis character in the original UK version was a very, very timid, meek, easily overpowered individual. This one's not the same. In some some cases, he actually does talk back to Banks. You know, he sort of like not stands up for himself as such, not in that way, but kind of like gives it a bit of lip. Um, but they still keep um, harassing him. The Carlin character, Butch, obviously with there being no daddy facility there for him to take over. He doesn't set out with that agenda. His um, his 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 attacks on Banks are a bit more to begin with, at least a bit more revenge based on what he's doing to Davis and you know the fact that he is just a bit of an arsehole really. Um, so, but the same kind of, of of thing plays out. You still get the the same beating um, instead of uh, snooker balls and a sock. It's a uh, table tennis bat, ping pong ball bat. You get the same beating up in the bathroom that he did um, in the original. You get the same rape scene. Uh, from the uh, from the original, and you get the same suicide scene, but the the suicide scene doesn't really make any sense at all, in my opinion, because he he just doesn't come across as that kind of individual. The film sets it up wrongly, in my opinion. You know, he doesn't like I said that put that that character is not a weak, timid individual. You know, in fact, at one point, the the Davis character is almost kind of like a little bit of a hero because the there's a scene in the original film and the original TV play whereby. Um, the it's kind of a it's a physical education it's a sports you know sort of recreation thing and they all come together to um, to to play a game as such and uh, in the originals it was well, in the original instead of playing the game they just beat the shit out of each other on the court you know there was a kind of I don't know it was some football game or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was and I, I don't think the rules were ever given out but um, they just beat the crap out of each other and there was no winner in the updated version Dog Pound. Uh, they play dodgeball, but they actually play out the the game 
And Davis is the one who wins. So Davis is almost like, you know, he's all a bit of a hero such. And then a couple of scenes later, he's committing suicide. But the way he commits suicide is completely wrong as well because he, in the original film, you know, uh, sorry, in the, um, uh, in the original uh, TV version, you know, he cuts his wrists and, you know, and, and he, you know, he, he wakes up dead in the next morning. In this one, you know, he... He cuts his wrists, and he, well, you don't see him cut his wrists. You see him just go to bed um, after he's been turned down from talk from wanting to talk to his mother, and the, the warden's just like, "Oh, shut up!" And they turn the intercom off. But he's in the dormitory of everyone else. He just goes to goes to bed, and then next morning wakes up, and you see the kind of like this small blood stains around where his wrists are. He hasn't moved, you know. He hasn't struggled. He hasn't gone. Oh, I've made a mistake and tried to get back up, just like it is in the original film. So it, it just doesn't make any sense, and um, yeah, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work the same way. I think they missed the, the opportunity there. The um, the whether there being no, like I said, no daddy character. Carlin is not after. You know, becoming the daddy as such, he just he just wants to get on, and you know, he's just a, he's a bit of a hard nut anyway. The ending, the ending is very similar to the uh, uh, the original t- the original uh, movie version as well, and the TV version in the way it sets it up. But I actually, prefer the ending to the to this film, Dog Pound, because it adds an extra level, which I think you know is the one thing which is better than the TV version, the, 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 the movie version, is that one of the screws kills one of the kids and the ending actually has a two-pronged attack. You know, they, they, they rebel because of the death of Davis but also the fact that one of the screws killed the kid and it really reinforces the them and us aspect of it which is missing from the, uh, the original movie version. But, uh, but there you go. It's, um, it's, it's actually quite well acted, to be fair. Um, oh, there's, well, there's, there's no Archer character as well. There, well, there is. He's, he's Max but it's, he's not re- he doesn't really have that social commentary aspect. He's not trying to tell the audience anything. He's just there as another character, and he's, he's got a few things to say, but really nothing of any importance. So um, that's also missing as well. But um, I, f- I think it's quite well acted. It's quite well filmed, but it is, you know, they don't have that documentary kind of aspect to it. You know, it is it's it is scored. It's starkly scored. It's mostly, um, uh, it's mostly kind of country kind of uh, music, sort of, you know, bluesy kind of music in the background. But, um, you know, it's obviously got a bit of production behind it. It's not bad. It's, it's worth a watch. Um, but it's, it's no scum. It really isn't. It's, it's not a patch on the original. And um, if you're going to watch any of them, that's the one to watch. So 1979 movie version of Scum is the recommendation. Um, I would leave Scrubbers in the bargain bin if I were you. Leave it to rot um, on, in magnetic hell. I like that word. Um, the original Scum TV, ver- TV play is worth seeking out if you can. But again, I'd favour the, the, the movie version. And Dog Pound... Give it a go. Um, you can find it on play.com for a couple of quid. You know, it's worth it's worthwhile, but you'll probably only ever watch it once and, uh, you know, hopefully agree with me in that um, Scum is the, is the best of the four. So four films. Um, that's this week's Movie Mug. Mm-hmm.